Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. big warm welcome to the MVP cast. Thank, thank you as always for joining us. It's me, Mark Woods, ready to guide you through some basketball conversation. We've got a great guest for you this week. Don't forget, if you want to catch up with any of our previous episodes, you can head to MVP247.com or just search via your preferred podcast provider or one of those fancy smart speakers and look for the MVP cast. Now, there's a team that's heading, looking for a treble over the next week and a bit they've already won the British Basketball League they've won the BBL Cup they've been in the Euro Cup playoffs it's been quite the year for the London Lions and for their Ricky head coach admittedly made a big imprint in the world of British basketball and I'm really glad he's joining us on this episode of the MVP cast Raj Met, thanks for joining us and welcome I appreciate it, Mark thanks for having me I'm it's been let, let's let's start briefly on this season How, um, how's it been for you it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, first and foremost, yeah, obviously it's uh it's been a roller coaster of, of sorts. Um, you know, looking back, it's you know sometimes trying to reflect back and, and think back to training camp in August. It feels like three four years ago, in a lot of ways. Um, but just you know, I think just seeing the growth of our team, you know, the organization. Um, you know, for me in year one, you know, there's a lot of, you know it's a lot of first with it with everything and obviously i know kind of going into it expectations were really high um you know just internally but also externally um but just i think from a coaching perspective you know i'm really pleased with the growth and improvement we've shown um obviously we've had a lot of great accomplishments and achievements um and see if we can cap it off here with a you know a win in the semifinals and hopefully move on to to play for uh, a third championship at the O2 on the 14th. You kind of had a luxury. I suppose I could call it that last season. You were you were around the team, and you know, as I, I don't really call a consultant, assistant, whatever it was, but you, you got to sort of observe the league. You know, you were sitting there at courtside for you know a lot of weekends, and so you get to see what the standards like, what the style of plays like, get a feel for what what BBL is all about. How did that? inform you when you, you know, formally took over i mean because you're coming in with a bit of knowledge that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have had yeah no i know this is a, a great great question i think you know looking back on on last year and you know the opportunity that i had to really be be around the team you know kind of help um more on the outside looking in you know, obviously with uh, our ownership group and, and brett you know, um, asking me to come on board. Um, it was good because obviously you're, you know, there was a lot to learn. It was my first experience internationally. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, coaching in Canada is considered internationally for me, but just over overseas in Europe. Um, and there was just, again, I think anytime you get a chance to really, you know, sit back and observe, you know, you're, you're going to learn a lot. And, you know, I think my initial observations with the BBL – um, yeah, I wasn't super familiar with the league um, prior to getting any exposure to it and being here, you know, but I was really impressed. I think, you know, the first thing that stood out to me was just, you know, the talent level and, you know, and I, I just love seeing the players. Obviously, a lot of my background comes from, you know, I coached at the high school level uh, for four years in the U.S. and then I coached, you know, in the G League for four years and also had, you know, was a head coach in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Um, and so a lot of it, when I would watch the games, it, it reminded me a lot of the, you know, what I was accustomed to as far as the talent level and, 
and guys maybe getting this is you know could be maybe their first or second job professionally and you could just see the the hunger and the the drive and the passion for playing you know and, and there's a lot of guys that are you know in the bbl that were trying to make it to the next you know league there were some guys that were some veterans and so there was a kind of influx of talent i guess you would say and then at the same time though um i just remember just like yeah i was like there's some really good players here um and, and then obviously you you hear a lot about the passion and I think the popularity of the game here in the UK. Um, and that kind of took me back to hearing a lot about what it was like in Canada back in kind of the early 2000s where the popularity of the game was pretty big. Um, but the funding, the infrastructure, lack of facilities and all those things were something that constantly got brought up, you know, as far as kind of stunting the growth of the game in a lot of ways. Um, but again, just being able to kind of learn and observe all that and then be able to step into this job, um, yeah, I, I would I would agree it is a luxury. I think it's, it's very rare that you get an opportunity to do that. Most of the times you step into head coaching jobs, you're either moving up from an assistant or you're coming into a completely unknown environment and situation. And, you know, fortunately for me, I had a, a year of being able to understand the complete overall vision of what 777 had, you know, what Brett had. And also what the BBL as a whole, as a league had, you know, in store and where they wanted to go. And so to be able to kind of step in, having that knowledge and background, you know, definitely, you know, helped me as, as we kind of got, got going in August. And I kind of feel like in, in some ways I kind of hit the ground running, um, you know, and then other ways there was some stuff that we still were, it was a little tough from our, from our team standpoint due to roster construction and the Euro basket going on all that. But to answer your question, um, you know, in a, in a long-winded way, it was definitely a luxury and, and um, something I look back on now and I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to do it that way. And you mentioned Brett, Brett Berman, the Lions GM. You, you go back to summer of 22 now, or perhaps even before that. What was his pitch to you about taking the leap, coming over across the Atlantic and taking you know, a role initially within the Lions organization? Yeah, so you know, Brett, I've I've known Brett, um, you know, professionally for a really long time. You know, we never we never worked together, um, which is pretty, you know, pretty. It's kind of funny to think about is, but just knowing him, you know, we, we kind of have a lot of the same background as far as our, our work histories. You know, he was he was actually with the Memphis Grizzlies for the same four years I was with the Toronto Raptors organization. You know, we're both assistants within you know, and for those their G League teams, respective G League teams. Um, and I think the first time I, I really heard about it was I was down, you know, the the 2020-21 season for the G League. They did the, they did a bubble in Orlando, which basically mm-hmm. kind of replicated the bubble that the NBA did, um, and for their for their return to play. So we we were down in, in Orlando, and it was you know February or March, and and I remember kind of running into him in the little courtyard area, you know, that they had there, and. Um, that was the first time he had kind of mentioned that, you know, he had this potential opportunity in, in London. Um, and he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know if what's going to come out of it. Like we're kind of in the initial stages of the conversation and he's like, but if I, if, you know, if I end up you know getting this, would, would this be something that you might be interested, you know, in, in joining? And I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know, I, I was, I was happy in Toronto. I, I, you know, liked where I was at. Um, but the international game, was always intriguing to me, you know, and then obviously too, I've always been someone, you know, that I can say professionally, I've always tried to challenge myself and step out of my comfort zone. 
And, you know, a, a lot of my career choices and career path, I think, kind of reflect that a little bit. So there was definitely some intrigue. And then, you know, once it kind of became a little bit more real and he formally accepted the job, you know, that was when I had an opportunity to talk, you know, more with him about the details. I got a chance to talk with, you know, Adam and Lenz um, from Triple Seven and really kind of hearing their vision. That's that's what sold me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really big. I, I enjoy the building process, you know, of, of things. It's um, I don't know, something that's always been intriguing to me. It's a big reason why, you know, I, I took the head coaching job in the CBL. It's a big reason why even back, you know, when I was younger and I took a, a head coaching job at high school, like that's something that's always intrigued me to kind of, because it's just, it's unique. It's different. You don't always get an opportunity to do something like this. I think, you know, it, within coaching, there's a lot of jobs, different jobs, different levels. Um, but it's rare to be able to kind of be on the ground floor of something and really kind of have, be able to put an imprint on, on it, you know, the way that you want to do it um, or not just your way, but also to be able to collaborate, you know, with people that kind of share a vision that you, I think agree with in, in so many different ways. So once I heard that um, it was really appealing, you know, and then it was kind of just for me a, a matter of kind of wrapping my head around, all right, do I want to leave this NBA world um, where I've been for four years? I've had success. There's a lot of talk of potentially moving up, you know, with the with the Toronto Raptors organization. I had had some other interviews with other NBA organizations, you know. But the more I talk with Brett, the more I talk with you know Adam and Lens, um, this just seemed like it was something that was too good to to turn down, you know, and something that I honestly kind of felt like if if I didn't do it, you know, the way that they were speaking about kind of the direction they wanted us to go in. You know, I kind of felt like, I, you know, if I don't do this, am I going to look back on three or four years and regret it? And, and to me, the answer was yes. So um, I kind of there was a little bit of a leap of faith with it. Um, but, uh, you know, and in hindsight, I'm, I'm definitely glad that I made the move. I'm going to throw a couple of quotes about you from players before, before the start of, of this current season. One, one guy who worked with you, I'm going to not going to name names, um, you know, last season at London said, great guy to be around really good at explaining concepts and, you know, sort of pleasure to work with. Someone else who's worked with you at another point says, really nice guy, great to be around, easy to talk to. Now, you're in a situation there over those two periods, again, without revealing names, that you're either a head coach in a summer league like the CBL or, you know, you've been a head coach in high school but or been a, you know, a sort of consultant around the Lions. But it's a sort of different dynamic when you've got guys for a full season and you're the head coach. And you can still be the nice guy, but at times you've got to be the bad guy. I wonder, how does that change maybe the way you went about coaching with a, that different role in a, obviously a different different chapter in your career now? Yeah, no, I, I, another... I, I love the questions. I, I think... To me, this is this is something. I'm glad you brought this up because this is something that I I wouldn't say it was a concern of mine because I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer you, you have to stay true to who you are and, and you have to, you know, your morals and values and, and you know what you truly believe in. I think, you know, that's one thing in coaching that I think some people, you know, whether it's I wouldn't say it's on purpose all the time, but I think a lot of people get away from that. I think whether that's you know the pressures and stresses of the job. Um, you know, reacting to results a little bit too much. Um, so that was something that kind of going into this year, I was I was very mindful of. I do know that you know a ten month season is way longer than a three month season. Not just when you're looking at the days, but like I told you earlier at the beginning of our conversation, I think when I think back to 
you know, training camp in August. Like it's, it seems like it was years ago. <laughs> um, and so it's, you know, I think you, you, you have to be careful with, I think your messaging. I think you have to be careful with, you know, a lot of things, but you know, the one thing that I, um, have always kind of made sure that I, that I've tried to do, which I think is important is, you know, you got to treat players and, and staff and everyone that you work with, you, you know, they're, they're people first. And, you know, I've been a firm believer that, you know, who you are as a person really matters. And, and again, like, I think it's, it's very easy to get caught up on, you know, okay, you've lost three straight games and you're a little irritated, you're frustrated and you're to be, you're going to react a certain way, you know, but at the end of the day, man, it's like, you know, you're going to work and, and you have to, you have to make, be able to still connect with these players. And at the, I think the foundation of that it's it's trust, um, and so when you're starting a, a brand new job, a brand new season, um, you know that was to me this was one of my biggest challenges I've ever had because, you know, I went into the season really only knowing one player on the roster. Uh, well, really, th- you know, three I guess if you look back like Josh Ward Hibbert and Bradley Caboza were returning, and obviously I was around them last year, and then you know we were able to bring over Aaron Best, who I've you know had mm. the privilege of coaching prior to this. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you're looking at basically, you know, 12 or 13 brand new players who didn't know me at all. Um, the things that they did know were that I was a first year Europe, you know, head coach, um, coaching in Euro cup younger. Um, so with, you know, no international experience, all these different things. So I knew I was kind of going into the situation where, you know, it was, you know, I was, it wasn't going to be the easiest thing. I couldn't just walk into the gym on day one and these guys were like, okay, like we're, we're, we're all in, we're bought in with what this guy's selling here. Um, and so again, it was, it really was not to be cliche, but it really was a, a day-to-day process. And, you know, these things do take time. And I think knowing that from my end, I understand, because again, like I'm, you know, I'll be honest, it, it wasn't, it wasn't smooth sailing right away. Not to say that there was any friction by any means, but you're trying to get a bunch of people that, you know, a bunch of players who came in from different situations, right? They all played for different teams last year, which means they all they all had a different coach. They all, all had a different role. They all played under a different system and philosophy, both offensively and defensively. And now you're bringing all these guys under one, you know, umbrella. And again, first year team playing in Euro Cup. And there's so many different variables that you're dealing with here. Um, so again, that was you you you've got to continue to make sure that you you don't skip steps in that and a lot of that is getting to know them as people first you know getting a chance to build trust build the relationships um you know and again all these things i'm saying at the end of the day also at the same time these guys are professional athletes as you and i both know this is how they make a living and you know i've always said this too it's they professional athletes you know especially the ones like i've been around the nba level and so forth they can sniff out if you're full of it <laughs> and, you know, so you, you have to be authentic and you have to know your stuff. You have to, you know, they're, if, if, you know, they have any ounce of thinking that, that you don't know what you're talking about or that you're not going to be able to help them get better or help them win games, it's going to be really tough for them to trust you with it, with their career. Um, so again, it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of work. Um, but again, you know, I think the, the nice guy, you know, mentality type thing, um, it, it's, I want to say it changes, you know, you, you definitely have to still be, 
you know, authoritative at times. You still have to be, you know, a, a leader. And, and you, you know, sometimes those conversations you have with players are going to be difficult. But, you know, the one thing you know, I've, I've told guys from day one is I'm always going to be authentic. I'm always going to be very transparent with everything, you know, and there's going to be dialogue and conversations. And I think when you do that, you know, I think over time that that's when you start to see the trust build. That's when you start to see the relationships grow. You know, and again, that's, you know, I think you started seeing that when we started getting into the months of, you know, December and January. I think you started really seeing our team take a turn, you know, for the better. And that's just, again, it just, it takes time to get to that point. You know, I think a lot of people and a lot of, you know, from the outside looking in, when you look at, okay, the roster and, and playing in Euro Cup and all these different things, there was, I think a lot of people might have thought this should be instant gratification. That's just not how it works. Um, you know, but to our guys' credit, you know, we've they, they showed up every single day with a great attitude. They continue to put in the work. You know, they they built trust within each other, within you know, from a coaching staff, ownership, everything. Um, and again, just in year one, I think that's where we've seen the success we've been able to have, which has been fun. You mentioned you know, about always wanting to challenge yourself, and you're 39 years of age, and here you are as a rookie head coach of sorts at that at the sort of level, and here you go. You get a team, you're a team, and you're playing in the Euro Cup, which you know, if, we, if we put on a scale, we're looking top five, top six leagues in the world if we're kind of trying to work out who's better or what the challenges are. But I guess for you, if you take the big picture here, what a fantastic opportunity for you to to learn and grow. What, what's been the biggest, I guess, thing you've been able to take away in, in terms of you know learning, education this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot. I, I think, you know, you, you know, that's the, I think the exciting part of Euro Cup for me was, you know, it was a, a huge challenge for me as a coach, you know, the, the game preparation, the in-game adjustments, you know, just from a tactical standpoint, the level of play obviously was the highest level that I've ever, you know, had the opportunity to coach in yeah, as a head coach, you know, and be around. Um, and I, and I kind of remember there was a couple, you know, your, your welcome to Europe moments, I call them where, <laughs> Um, our first game in, in Tel Aviv, the Ogans Hot Pole Tel Aviv, um, you know, that, that environment that they had and their, their fans and the support. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a big arena, um, but it was packed and it was loud and they stand and they chanted the entire time. And, you know, it's one of those environments that you, from you know, growing up in the U S and so you, you see it on TV when you're watching your league games and all the events. So like that was, you know, fun except for, you know, we, we kind of got our, our, our butts kicked a little bit. Um, and then the second one was uh, we played at Grand Canaria, which obviously the result of that, which was, I think, two weeks later. And, you know, just I remember the, the level of physicality that is allowed, you know, in the European games, you know, specifically Euro Cup and Euro League. Um, and we were, I, I remember Aaron Best was, was bringing the ball up the court and trying to initiate our offense. And um, Albacy, their, their point guard, he – um, super physical, like just completely bumping him and, and reaching. And I, I'm telling the ref, I'm like, I'm like, that's a foul. And he and he looks at me, takes his whistle out of his mouth, and kind of like shoots me a little side look, and he goes, "Not here, it's not." <laughs> and, and so, and I'll never forget that. And I and I love it because I, I, you know, if you watch our teams play, like we're really, you know, defensively, like I'm really like we're physical. We get into you. Um, so I I enjoyed it. But there, yeah, there was a couple kind of like, all right, welcome, welcome to Europe, you know, coach and. Um, but again, I think overall, you know, when you get an opportunity to go like a lot of every single coach that, that I went up against uh, this year, way more experienced than me, um, you know, in Europe specifically, 
And then I think just two, the other thing that stood out was um, the style of play. So you go and play, obviously, the Spanish ACB teams, you know, which arguably is like the second best league in the world. Um, you know, they play a certain way where there's they've got you know skill all over the court. Right, for the most part, they're gonna have four for sure. Sometimes five guys that can all shoot the three ball. They can all pass. They're physical. You know, and then you go play in France. You play Paris, and it's a very kind of reminded me a little bit of like a better G League because of the tempo. It was just like the athlete, you know, a bunch of athletic players and up and down the floor. You know, you go play. We played, you know, Prometheus out of Greece, and it was very. You know, just like I remember the physicality that, that all their players played with, but like they were, you know, very half court based and they were going to work the possession. And it was going to get, you know, second side of the floor, third side of the floor, sometimes fifth side of the floor within a 24 second possession. That is something that I remember watching the game film because as you're preparing for these teams, you know, we'll play Prometheus. And like, you know, I remember the thing was the second time we played them, the their domestic game leading up to playing us, they played Olympiacos. And so you're watching, you know, getting ready to play Prometheus and you're watching Olympiacos game, you know, and, and trying to take stuff away from, you know, that game that is going to help you. We played Turk Telecom and the game before they played us, they're playing Fenerbahce. Um, you know, we played Badalona in uh, the playoff game here a few weeks ago. And one of the games leading up to our game, they were playing Barcelona, you know, so all of these teams that I'm all the film that you're getting to watch while you're preparing for these games. You know, you just there's so many things to take away from it because the the coaching is so high level, the talent is high level, and then just the overall execution of, of some of these teams you're watching is it's elite. Um, so just in a in a one month season, you know, being able to coach at this level, coach against these coaches, against these teams, but then also not just those teams. Like I was alluding to, when you're you're watching and preparing for these games, you're watching so many other high level teams. So. Um, it's a, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually more so excited about the summer and the off season because I can kind of go back and I, I'm, there were so many clips and notes that I took during that time that I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive back into and then try to improve in a lot of areas for me personally. I know it's not like you're going and sightseeing tours around these things, but what was, what was your favorite destination? You must've had a really good meal somewhere. Cause you know, some of those places are good food. Yeah, you know, I'll actually tell a funny story about that. So I remember when um, they were doing the, the group reveal. So, you know, obviously Euro Cup has a group A mm. and a group B. Um, and that was, I think it was sometime in July that they did this. And I was, at the time, I was coaching in Canada in the, in the Canadian League. And we were playing a game in Montreal. So the time difference, I think they, they did the reveal. It was like 7 a.m. in Canada. And I was up in, the, in our hotel that we were staying at. And I'm watching it. And we were like, because they do the seedings based on, you know, I think because obviously this is our first year in it, so we were a ten seed. And as they're as they're going through, it's like, you know, they start listing out Group A teams and Group B teams. And I'm starting to notice Group B has a lot of the places that you would like to go visit, you know, on vacation <laughs> and you know, sightseeing, like who you're saying. So it was like, yeah, it was Tel Aviv, it was Paris, it was Grand Canary, it was Greece, and like, you know, and so it started getting lower. I again, right? Like, I don't know a ton of background on on a lot of these teams. Um, kind of going into it, like you start, you're starting to kind of, you know, hear who who they're signing, you're, and you're building kind of your portfolio on all the teams. But as they're getting through it, I'm like, I was like, hey, Group Group B would be kind of fun to be in, just from a travel standpoint. Um, and sure enough, we ended up in it. Yeah, our first first trip, we go to Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, our second trip, we're in Grand Canary Islands. Um, but again, I thought I think all of them. It was fun for me just to, you know. I, you know, here's another thing before taking, you know, coming over here to London last year, you know, in the consultant role that I was in, um, I'd never been to Europe. 
So within just these last two years, it's just been exciting for me to get a chance to see the world, you know, in a different, in a different way. And, and it's just kind of cool that, you know, a, a game that we all fell in love with as, as young kids, you know, can kind of take you around the world and, and to be able to be, to see the places that we've seen, I saw this year, um, was, was pretty, was pretty fun. But I think if I had to give you a favorite one, um, Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv was probably my favorite. You mentioned young kids um, and we all have to start in bus. We all start as fans in some way or another. Tell, tell us about your grandfather and how he sold you in the love of the game. Yeah, you did pretty good with your research, Mark. I'm impressed. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I grew up like neither, neither one of my parents, um, you know, played basketball. So it wasn't something that, you know, really was kind of brought to me by, by them. Um, but my mom's dad, so my grandpa, my mom's side, um, was a big basketball fan. You, you know, I grew up kind of right outside, right outside of Portland, Oregon. And, you know, I, for me, it was just, I remember falling in love with the game at a pretty young age, watching, um, the Portland trailblazers on, on TV. Um, and so once I kind of started to develop like a, a, a passion for a young age, my grandpa, you would, would, you know, frequently get tickets you know some of his through his work um some of his partners and stuff that he did he worked in a, he was a car wholesaler um and i remember he would take me to some games and the first game i went to was really when i completely just fell in love with the game and obviously as a young kid you're i want to play in the nba and that was the goal that was the dream and um it was just something for me like i, I played other sports growing up you know played american football you know tried the baseball thing, even tried, you know, we call it, call it soccer, your guys' football over here. Um, but nothing to me was, it was nothing like basketball. And, you know, fortunately for me, it was, you know, I, I was developed a, a strong work ethic through sports, um, you know, really kind of set at a young, young age that I wanted to play in college. You know, obviously wouldn't wanted to play professionally and it's something I continued to pursue um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I give my, my grandpa a lot of credit for kind of exposing me to the game at a higher level. Um, and really kind of, I think kind of sparking that dream. And then, yeah, my parents were incredible, you know, with the support system that they had, it was, like I said, neither one of them played, but once I got into it and, and my younger brother got into it, um, you know, they, they did everything they could to make sure that we, you know, had the resources that we need and, you know, whether that was you know, getting us signed up to go try out for, you know, the, the young traveling teams when you're in you know, fourth or fifth grade. Um, you know, I remember they came to every single one of our games in high school. And, and then when I was in college, my first step in college, I played at a junior college because it was really the only school that offered me a scholarship um, to play. I actually had more, um, you know, more interest and I was actually pretty heavily recruited for American football. But like I said, the, my passion was basketball and, played at a local you know junior college that was about 30 minutes away from home which you know allowed my my family to to come to a lot of games so again i it's you know something going back to three or four years old it's always been a huge part of my life um you know my family is you know i was fortunate enough to have a, a really good support system and yeah it started with my grandpa going to the blazer games and watching clyde drexler and terry porter and all those guys and um but yeah, some some really fun memories. Great era, great era to be a Blazers fan, possibly the the best yeah. best era so yeah. so far. Um, I mean, you, you came out of college and you know you had a, a little bit of a pro career, you know, in the in the G D League, D League, whatever it was called then, the ABA, the American Basketball Association. You know, and and 
like a lot of guys, you know, it doesn't quite happen. You get injuries; it's it's just not there. What what's that kind of point where you have to, you sort of drew a line? I mean, did you did you go straight into something else? Did you have did you work some jobs after after playing before you you sort of take that leap back into coaching? No, so yeah, I guess my pathway into coaching, I guess, is a little different. I, I just, to be honest with you, Mark, I didn't. I never saw myself as a coach, which is which is pretty. I think pretty funny in a lot of ways now to see. Like, you know, I ended up. It's a it's a career, and I've been able to have success and make a living doing this. But, um, you know, at the time, like I again, I think the hardest thing for for athletes in general. Um, you know, I know for me as a as a basketball player, was really kind of turning that page and, and moving on to what what comes next. And for a long time, I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, you know, I think like a lot of players and in any sport, I think you're. You know, you think you're going to play till you're, you know, 35, 36, or, or whenever you want to. Obviously, if you're Tom Brady, you can play until you're 40. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me, I, I just, I always thought I'm, you know, I'll play until I'm in my mid 30s, and you'll know, be able to have money saved up and invest and do all these things. And just again, like that's the, the way you kind of envision your your career going. For me, it went exactly the opposite way, and it was for me, it was it was a struggle. You know, I got, you know, finished my college career at Division two school. Uh, Western Oregon University was fortunate to I got drafted into the D League. Um, back then, it was the, the you know the roster construction was a little different than it is today. You know with what's what's known as the G League now. But yeah, I got drafted in the D League. Um, I went to training camp. I was actually the last cut of of the team there in Idaho, and that's when I could, then I went and played in the ABA and did some of these other like smaller leagues. Get back to 2010. I go back to Idaho in the D League, and you know, I end up kind of having a, a, a small injury that, again, prohibits me from making the final roster. And at that point, it was, you know, I was 26 years old, and again, like you'd see, you're playing in these smaller leagues and didn't have a chance to make it over to Europe at all. And I just kind of, you know, was at a crossroads where, like, how much longer do I want to keep pursuing that? Um, you know, because obviously the all the in-between stories that I'm not kind of touching on because we don't have enough time is, you know, the waiting game in each, you know, between each mm. stop and the amount of hours and the training that's going into it when you don't have a job and you're working these side jobs, just keep money in your pocket. And, you know, it, it is, it's a grind and it's tough. It's not easy. Um, you know, so when I, that final time when I was in, you know, Idaho and with the stampede and, and get released, um, that was kind of like, all right, well, what, you know, how much longer do you want to do this? Because, you know, in that in the D League, you're when those roster decisions are made, you're in about mid-November um, because of how the season runs. So once you're released from those teams, you know, overseas over here in Europe, like they're they're three months into a season, um, and so making a roster is gonna be tough. So like at that point, I'm like, okay, do we want to wait all the way until another summer and and continue to try this? And then you know, if so, you know, for how much longer? Fortunately for me, I, I had a, a family friend that um, was running a kind of a youth academy, and it was it was kids between the ages of 11 and 14. And he he kind of knew he was a former. He played collegiate basketball at Oregon State University, and you know was got was a successful businessman in, in back in Oregon. And and he had he had younger sons, and that's why he had started this program. And to kind of give you the quick version of this, he basically just asked me if I'd be interested in, in helping, you know, coach the kids. And he's like, I know you're kind of trying to figure out what's next. You know, the kids would love to have you around. I think it'd be great for them to, to for you to be able to share your experiences and knowledge. And, you know, it'd be something I think you might enjoy to kind of keep you busy and just as you kind of figure out what, what comes next. 
well, little, little did he know, little did I know, um, that that opportunity that he kind of the, the olive branch that he extended was really what kind of got me, you know, in, into coaching and is what kind of, uh, you know, drove me to kind of want to make it a career, which is pretty funny to think about. Cause I was, <laughs> I was literally coaching 12 year olds, 13 year olds. Um, but it was really for me, it was, it was the teaching component of it. Um, you know, seeing the, the improvements, especially at that young age, like, you know, they're, you know, their room and their, their spectrum for improvement is so broad, um, because they're so young. And then obviously just as a competitor, you know, during that year is when I really kind of started, you know, looking into potential internships in the NBA, graduate assistant jobs at the NCA. Um, but yeah, that was, that was it. It was kind of just a, you know, Hey, you know, I know you're kind of struggling with figuring out what's going on next. You know, would you, would you be interested in kind of helping these kids, you know, and helping kids turn into, you know, a, a professional coaching career down the road. I mean, you had, you had five years as a high school coach and you had time as, you know, as an academy coach in, in, in South Carolina. And, you know, there's, I guess there's a benefit, a sense in that playing experience always because obviously you know what it's like and, you know, the regime and the mentality of being a player. But hard is, hard is having that experience and maybe also that experience of, not quite getting the playing career that you wanted inform you maybe as a coach, particularly at you know the, some of the levels that you've worked at where guys are striving, they're hoping, they're dreaming, and you you know the both the dreams but also the reality. Yeah, no, I think it's you know perspective is everything, and I think my perspective, um, you know, on other players' careers and kind of where they're at with you know their situation like when I was coaching high school kids and you know the one thing that I, I did do is I, I was able to play college basketball you know I ended up signing with the University of Hawaii and you know I finished at the Division two school and so you you can share those experiences and kind of like what that takes right so that was kind of and then on the professional side like when I got to the G League you know in the NBA that was that was really interesting for me because I was there you know in in short capacity and you know there was you know, like getting getting cut and released from a team is, is really tough. And and then especially the second time around when it was, you know, kind of injury related. Um, and so when you're kind of in that same, you know, that same level now and you're seeing other players kind of whether they're struggling with certain things, whether there's frustration with playing time, whatever it is, I think just being able to kind of connect with them on – you know, what it's going to take, right? I think kind of just giving them a different perspective, helping them, you know, with in a lot of ways that they, they're going to need it. Um, you know, I thought was beneficial. And then again, I think too, it's, you know, you, you see different, like there's a lot of coaches that, you know, played professionally for, you know, tw 12 plus years or something. You see some coaches that, you know, haven't played basketball at all at, at a high level, right? Might, might've been like a manager in university um, or like kind of got, came in through like the video um, you know, path or something. So I think there's so many different unique perspectives and lenses of how people see the game. For me, it was, yeah, kind of just, I kind of look at it like you were kind of on the cusp of having a, a, a long career, maybe, and maybe not, but um, being able to kind of have that, you know, take that into your coaching. Um, and, and really, because again, you can see the times when, when players are struggling. And, you know, like, like I said, there, it could be due to injury, Right. Like I went through that. So I understand that it could be, you know, maybe like lack of playing time. Like I went through that. I dealt with that. And, you know, that just to kind of help them kind of get through and, and, and to the other side of it. 
Um, and then again, then you're also coaching guys that like, you know, like this year, Sam Decker, I, there's nothing I can relate to a Sam from a playing standpoint. Like I was never, I was never that good. You know, they got a lot of guys that we have this year. Like I, I never was at that level. Um, but I just think over time, um, you know, again, your experiences that you, you take, um, it, it makes you, it makes everything unique in its own way. Um, and, and again, I wouldn't trade the experiences and kind of my path for, for anything. Cause I think it's definitely helped me um, along the way. And I think being able to coach at all different levels, you're taking something differently, you know, whereas I, I could maybe have been in the NBA for, you know, or G league and whatever for, for 10 years. And that, that'd be great. But I think if you, if you eliminate the high school coaching experience, if you eliminate, you know, me coaching 12 year olds for, for a year and a half, you know, I don't, I, I think that changes like my view of the game and how I coach, how I teach, um, so I'm very fortunate and happy that, that you know I've been able to have the path that I've had. You went on from that academy place into the Raptors and their their G League team in the, the 905, which is the dialing code for those who wonder why it's a random number. And um, how does that job come about? Yeah, so this is uh, so I, yeah, so at the time I was coaching um, high school in South Carolina, um, so I did that for four years and and kind of during that time. I was going to the summer league in Vegas every summer, um, you know, and, and just, again, I had interest in trying to get into the NBA on the coaching side, like, like a lot of people do. And, you know, it's not easy. It's there's 30 teams and very, you know, there's not a lot of jobs. So for me, it was just more so I was, I would, the first couple of summers, I think I went, it was more so just kind of learn, you know, try to meet people, sit down with other coaches, pick their brain, learn about things, observe, watch, you know, games. And then around like the third year I went, I ended up kind of getting connected with Jerry Stackhouse um, and it was basically through um, a, a friend that, so when I was coaching in South Carolina, we would recruit and we would get guys cause it was like a prep school where, where kids, so we were able to recruit kids from out of state. And we had a couple kids that were from Georgia that played for Jerry Stackhouse's AAU team. So and the, the guy that ran that program for him, I'd become pretty good friends with pretty close with. Um, and I was, he knew I was going to be at summer league. And he's like, hey, let me, let me connect you with, with stack. So he connects us when I'm out there and we, we end up going to dinner and for about an hour and a half. And that was nothing. That was the year he had just like two weeks after summer league, he gets announced, you know, as the, the nine Oh five head coach. So that whole first year he was a head coach. We had just kind of really just stayed in touch. Nothing came about it. And then the following summer, I was going out there, and I remember reaching out to him prior and uh, letting him know I'm going to be back out in Vegas again. You know, I think he was going to coach their summer league team, the Raptors summer league team. And I was, I think I inquired about wondering if there was going to be any opportunity for me to maybe potentially volunteer and help out. Because that was kind of a thing, you know, a few years ago where you know, some coaches would kind of volunteer and be on staff. And, and he said, he said, no, I'm not, he's like, I'm not. I, I'm not going to be doing it um, this summer, but I might have an opening on my on my G League staff if you'd be interested. And I'm thinking, of course, I'd be interested. <laughs> so, so we, so we, you know, he tells me, hey, like, let me know when you're going to be in Vegas. We'll connect, um, and then we'll, you know, do like a formal interview and everything with everybody. And um, so this is where <laughs> this this story actually is is pretty funny. Uh, well, funny because it ended up working out in a, in a positive way, but I was it scared me to death for a little bit, but. So the interview process, the way you wanted to do it was, um, you know, Stack is very big on on the player development stuff, and and that's kind of a big background of mine anyway. So that's kind of how we connected on on the job and, and what it would entail and, and the role and 
what he was looking for. So he wanted me to, he was going to organize, um, he wanted me to work out like four NBA players and he wanted to watch me, you know, do the workouts. He wanted to kind of observe me with how I worked, how I did everything. So we'd set it up where we're, we're, you know, Vegas summer league takes place in on the campus of UNLV and we're in one of the back gyms and we start this workout and we're maybe 10 minutes into the workout. And all of a sudden, like, so, you know, we're just, you know, there's nothing, we're doing like ball handling and warming up. There's nothing spectacular about what I'm doing in the first 10 minutes that's going to land me a job with this guy. And it's just the, the, you know, the beginning of it. And in walks the, the women's UNLV team. And the coach kind of looks at she, and she goes, you guys got to get out of here. We have practice. And so I'm like, thinking like, okay, now what? Like, where are we going to go? And Stack just kind of nonchalantly, he's like, you know, kind of a little bit upset and shocked because whoever set it up, you know, messed up with the timings. And he's like, all right, man. He's like, oh, he's like, well, I'm going to jet. I, I'm going to go watch the, the game. And he's like, but I'll connect with you. We'll, we'll set something back up. And in the back of my mind, like, this guy is, you know, he, he's talking to more than just me for this job. And all I can think about is, like, I, it's, it's over. Like, I just lost this opportunity. I'm not, he's not going to call me back. And so we're actually, I, so I kind of follow him and I go, he's watching the Raptors summer league game and I'm sitting like across from him and I sent him a message and I'm telling him, Hey, I'm staying over at the Wynn hotel. Cause I knew that's where the Raptors uh, staff was staying. So at the time I can't afford to stay at the Wynn, but <laughs> I end up you know, making it work. And for, for one night, I'm going to go stay at the Wynn just so I'm there. And all of a sudden his phone dies because he sees me across the gym and he kind of points his phone like my phone's dead. Like, I'll see you back at the hotel. I'm like, okay, his phone's dead. Like, how is he going to see me at the hotel? So from that point on, I leave the gym. I go back. I actually get a room at the Wynn that I can't afford. And I'm like, I'm pretty like devastated because I I just feel like the opportunity for me to, to get hired by Jerry Stackhouse, who, you know, ironically was one of my favorite players growing up. You know, I get my foot in the door with an NBA organization, and I, I think it's over with. And about 9.30 that night, I'm walking through the hotel, and my brother was in town with me, and we're going to go grab dinner. And who do I see? Is Jerry Stackhouse, like, walking towards me. And, you know, he acts like nothing happened. Like, he's just, you know, hey, hey, you know, what are you doing right now? You want, Let's go grab a drink. And we end up going to grab a drink and sit down for about two hours and kind of have a, an informal slash formal interview um, and end up getting the job. So it was it was pretty stressful, but it all worked out. You got, you got, you got to work with some great guys there, like, you know, Chris Boucher, who goes on to the Raptors, Jordan Lloyd. Um, but that's that's the period of time when another guy who's did all right in the BBL, coach in London, did all right in the NBA, won a championship in Toronto. Nick Nurse is, is there. Did, did you guys interact at all? I mean, when you came to London, did he reach out? You know, so yeah, so I, you know, was able to be around Nick, you know, he's quite a bit. Um, my first year there, he was still an assistant. And then my second year was when he took over as head coach, won the championship. And I started to, I was around more, like a big part of my job my second year was, you know, I kind of managed and, and was kind of in charge of, the uh, development player development of like the Raptors players that would go back and forth between our G League team and the Raptors team. So, yeah, I was I was able to be around Nick, especially in the summers. Um, you know, when we would do a lot of the summer workouts, doing summer league. Um, you know, and again, I was he was a guy that 
you know, for three years I was around him, uh, you know, learned a ton, obviously was very uh, aware of his background and his path to getting where he, you know, he's at. Um, and yeah, when I actually, you know, came out here, he did reach out, um, and kind of, you know, congratulate me, wish me luck. Um, he sent me some advice. I can't remember. I'll have to go back through some messages, but you know, his time in Manchester, he sent me a couple of restaurants that he said I needed to try. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've, we've, we've exchanged some messages here and there, but yeah, my time, you know, around there and being in Toronto and, and, you know, it was, it was fun to really learn from him. He's, he's extremely, you know, intelligent basketball wise. Um, and again, just kind of pretty ironic how his path, you know, was once, you know, kind of existed out here as well. I always say I got there. I set it up for him because I was one summer I was in Toronto and I popped into the Raptors offices at the Air Canada Centre as it was then uh, to, to, just to catch up with one of the PR team and Lenny Wilkins walked in which was you know, a bit starstruck what you said hello it was great and a few minutes later Glenn Grunwald who was then the GM of the Raptors walked in and he you know, introduced himself yeah. said hi and the random question he asked me is how's Nick Nurse doing? Now that's 2000 it was about you know a decade and a half later before Nursey becomes you know assistant coach and head coach, but I like to say well if I if I'd said something really mean about him at that time he might never get into the organisation <laughs> I was really nice about him that day he's great you know he's doing well so I paved the way for Nick Nurse's success I'm yeah he owes you a thank you dinner <laughs> he's been good to me since so I'll take that um I mean your your coaching philosophy um there's a thing that or an interesting quote I read um about your player first coaching strategy and the, the sort of caveat in the end of it was it was lauded by some criticized by others i don't know what that meant but what what is this player first coaching strategy i mean you've talked about you know connecting with players but you know, how are you, how have you defined your own coaching you know pathway journey the, the imprint you like to make now yeah um I think it kind of goes back to a little bit we touched on, you know, in a previous question, which, you know, I've always just been, you know, believer just, you know, in people. And I think as a coach, you know, I think your number one job is, is you know, especially in a head coaching role, it's to be a leader. And, you know, leadership is something that, you know, I've, you know, really studied quite a bit and I've been fortunate to be around some really great ones. You know, I've been, I've been around some really bad ones. And, and I think to me, I think they, they, you know, good or bad, they're going to leave kind of a, a mark on your, on your life and you know, more so the bad ones, I think, um, which is, you know, unfortunate, but you know, I think even as an assistant coach, you know, you're, you're trying to help players. And I think sometimes that gets lost. Um, you know, listen, I'm not saying that my philosophy or, or my way of doing it is, is the right way or the wrong way. It's just, it's, you know, it's the way that I've kind of always been and just kind of who I am as a person. Um, and, and I think too, when it, when it, when I think player first, it doesn't. I, th- I think the the criticism, right? I think what you kind of hear is that there's no accountability, that you kind of let players get away, you know, with whatever they want. And you know, anyone that knows me knows that that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, you know, I'm I'm very you know big on standards and accountability. Um, you know, but I think when it when I think of player first, it's really you know, what are you doing to help the player, right? As a coach, like, I think that's your job. It's just like teachers and educators. Like, it's, it's your job to educate. It's your, it's your job to to teach. And I think as a coach, you know, that's what you're brought there to do. So whether that is from a development standpoint and you're helping a player with, you know, their ball handling or their jump shot, 
right? Or, you know, it's not about your way. Like if you learn to shoot a certain way, that doesn't mean it's going to work for, for that same player. I think you really got to kind of adapt in, you know, who, how, how are they shoot? Their mechanics might be a little different. You know, their, their footwork might be a little different. So you've got to, again, like just because you know one way of doing something doesn't mean it's going to work for that person. Where I think a lot of, I've seen coaches firsthand where it's kind of a very, I call it the cookie cutter method. And it's just, they do it the same way. And it's kind of a my way or the highway. And that's not just from, you know, helping someone with shooting, but that can also be, you know, how the, how it, how you're going to coach your offense and how you're going to coach your defense and, and so forth. But, you know, I, I think, when I look at it kind of coaching for me, kind of like in a vacuum, it's, you know, are you helping players get better? And I think ultimately, you know, and that kind of goes back to maybe, you know, because of my background as a player, you know, and not on the level of a lot of these guys that I'm able to coach now, but, you know, looking back on it, I think, you know, we were all coached at one point, whether that's on a youth team, a high school team, college team, or professionally, you know, and I don't think any of us really liked being screamed at and kind of made feel about as small as you can possibly imagine, right? And I, and I think for me, like, yeah, there's times I definitely raise my voice to get a point across, um, but I, I think that's where I can you, you implement standards at the very beginning. You know, there's a way of doing things, you know, but also, too, I think at, at you know, at your core, you know, your your values and, and your, your morals of kind of what you believe and how things should be done, you know, I think that's got to show every single day. Um, and again, I just, you know, I think I said it's, you know, it's, yes, it's my career, but also too, like you're coaching players and it's, it's there. This is how they make a living. And again, if you can't help them, I think you're in, you're in the wrong, <laughs> you're in the wrong profession. Um, but yeah, I think the criticism, I think a lot of times, I think people kind of, you know, sometimes mistake that for, you know, just kind of, letting players do whatever they want and and to me that's not it it's just it's really you know kind of doing as much as you can to tip to make sure you're helping them kind of going above and beyond you know being able to relate to them being able to connect with them you know developing a relationship with who they are as a person you know it's 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 important to know you know about their families and kind of what makes them tick off the court because again like if they're if something's not going good good at home right it's it's going to be tough for them they're going to bring that to the office that's with any job and you know, so I think too, just you know, we we've got a pretty unique situation here with our with our team this year, where we've got a lot of players that you know married, have kids, and you know the the wives and the girlfriends like they all get along and they're going to dinner before and after games, and the kids hang out and like to me that's that's important. I think that's a big, you know, a big reason you know why we've had the success we've had because there's a connectivity not just on on the court, but it's also off the court. And again, that comes down to like actually caring about who the who these people are and and again helping them with where they're at currently and then helping them to you know whatever may come next how do you feel that and you talked about your young talent and you've got three relatively young british guys you know brad jonathan zamoku and i gather zamoku might be heading stateside to to sort of further his education in the ncaa but how how tough has that been a challenge for you? I mean, obviously you want to, you have to win games. And that's a that's a big pressure. You know, you've got a you you're building a career. You've got pressure from from GMs or, or ownership or whatever. But how how has that challenge been to to somehow develop those guys amongst the day to day of winning basketball games? Um, yeah, I think it's it's been challenging in the way of like i just feel like the one challenge i've always kind of felt is it's just like 
that there's not enough time. And, and I don't mm. mean like from, from, for me, not, I'm, I'm saying just like within a season, right? Like there's just games come so quickly. And I just feel like there's, there's so many times during the season where I just, you know, you feel like, all right, Bradley hasn't played in two weeks, you know, and, and you just kind of, and again, it's like in a blink of an eye because you have, you know, domestic games on the weekend. Then all of a sudden there's another Euro cup game and you're traveling to this country and coming back the next, thing you know, it's like, Oh, like Bradley hasn't played, you know, it's been five games since he's played. And, you know, so I think, you know, for us, what we've tried to do is as good of a job as possible is, you know, it's it's the time before practice. It's the time after practice. You know, it's it's the conversations, it's the film sessions, you know, it's the games that they're not going to play where, where these guys are coming in at four o'clock, you know, at the copper box and they're on the court with our assistant coaches and they're going through whether they're playing three on three or in game likes and, you know, trying to keep them ready. Right. And then at the same time, you know, we've had an unbelievable group of veteran guys, you know, whether it's, you know, Sam Decker, Voida, you know, Zuba, Costa when he was here, you know, that really kind of took these younger guys under their wings and I think just really empowered them from a development standpoint to where, you know, in practice, like they didn't get frustrated with them when they would make mistakes, you know, and then these guys are guys that have played high level basketball and, and now you've got, you know, Jonathan, who had just finished up college, you know, you have Bradley, who's 21 years old. You have Zam, who's getting ready to potentially go to college. You know, and you also have Kareem Queeley, who, you know, obviously, unfortunately, got injured as well. But, you know, it's so easy that you could see, you know, these these veteran guys that, you know, would could maybe just like get so frustrated and, and upset with these kids during practice. But it was the exact opposite. And so, I think that was a huge, huge proponent of, of kind of their development, you know, and then also too, it's, you know, in a 10 in month season opportunity is going to come, you know, and, and there was times where we would, you know, maybe sit, sit some guys out, you know, because we played a game on a Wednesday in Euro cup and then travel back on Thursday. And then we have a game playing, you know, against, you know, who Manchester on a Friday. And so maybe we would sit, you know, Sam would sit out and Luke Nelson would sit out. And now all of a sudden there's, there's room, there's opportunity for, you know, these younger guys to play. And to me, that was, that was one of the highlights for me as a coach was, was being able to play those guys. Because again, like I said earlier, a big, you know, big part of my coaching career and background is the player development side. And, you know, there's no better way for players to develop. You have to play, you know, you can do all the the drills and the pre-practice stuff and post-practice stuff you want but you need to play in games. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. I never felt like there was a going into a game where, all right, if we play these guys, you know, our, our, you know, we may not win the game. Like to me, it was like, nah, we're going to, you know, we're going to play the game. And, and a good example of that was when we went up to up actually to Glasgow with you guys and in the, in the trophy and the second round, we had committed as an organization to, to play those younger guys in the trophy competition, kind of very similar to what you see, you know, some of these football mm-hmm. teams do out here. And, and that was for me, I was excited and I, I wanted, I wanted to win with those guys because I, I thought it was great development for them to be able to play meaningful basketball. Um, and so again, you look back in the game, like all those guys played 30 minutes. Um, and, and to me, was, yes, the result wasn't, you know, what we wanted, but that, that mood in the locker room after I'll never forget it because those players, Bradley, Jonathan, Zam in particular, like they were devastated, like, and, and the guys, the way that they picked them up and were so positive with them, um, you know, was, was something I'll, I'll never forget. And then as a coach now, 
you have like some serious game film that you can dive into with these guys, right? And it's different to put those guys in your game when you're up by 25, you know, in the fourth quarter. Like those minutes are, are different than, hey, you're starting against Caledonia in a trophy game and we're like you're playing the majority of the game. And for them, the way that they prepared for that game, the way that they felt after when we lost, you know, that to me was more development than, you know, anything else that you can do. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun seeing their growth has been, it's been great. You know, unfortunately all those guys you named have, have dealt with some pretty serious injuries, especially on the back end of the season. Um, but I think up until that point when they all got hurt, you know, I think it was, I think it was pretty clear, you know, that the steps they were taking with their development. I've got to ask you, I mean, I, I was out for dinner with my wife that night of the, the Caledonia game and it was a very nice dinner. I wasn't really paying too much attention to the box score, but I logged on at whatever time it was, 9.30, and I was like, why have they only reached half time? And then, because it would finish 52.50. Strangest game of the year, <laughs> by some distance. And I mean, you're yeah. sitting here, you've got a chance at a treble. Only a few teams in BBL history have done the clean sweep, and it won't be your season. Is there a bit of you will still look back at that game, despite the fact that it was, you know, the commitment to young players and everything, and it was, you know, it was a coming off a European game, but you're like, ah, oh, if, what, if not for that one, I could be sitting here thinking about the clean sweep next week. No, I mean, if, I think there's always going to be a little part of, <laughs> you know, you, you, you want, you know, you want that. But I think to me, I, again, you know, that was a decision that we had made kind of going into it. And so I think the reality going into the season was, you know, the chances of us going for a clean sweep by doing, the, you know, playing these young guys in the trophy competition was going to be pretty slim. Um, but again, I, 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 you know, said it earlier, I was, you know, as a competitor, I'm like, man, how cool would that be if we won the trophy by, you know, playing our younger guys. And then, you know, and then there was, there was Luke, Aaron and Sharma. They all played, I think between 10 or 12 mm-hmm. minutes, um, because obviously we needed, you know, still need to play. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, you, of course you want, you want to win everything. I, I did, I wanted to do it with them selfishly. Um, you know, because again, just, especially because I think leading up to that point, all of those guys had played. There was little moments, right? Like Bradley had had a couple moments. Um, Zam had had a few moments. I think it was Manchester he played against um, was really good. And then even Jonathan was kind of turning the corner. Um, and so it was. It was something for me. It was okay if we can win, then you know you move on to the semifinals. I think that it was. It would have been like Derby. Um, and then if you can win that, then you're in. You're in a trophy final. I'm like, oh. How cool would that be for those guys to, to play in a trophy final with kind of that pressure and, and all that? But um, I think in hindsight, though, I mean, I think I, I think everyone got their money's worth for the trophy final. So I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I think everyone's probably glad it worked out the way it did. Um, yeah. I mean, just let's look ahead slightly. I mean, you've, you've got Cheshire this weekend, two-legged semifinals. Final, of course, 17,000 people plus at the O2 on a week on Sunday. I mean, I mean how driven are you personally? as a team to, to finish this year off with that big prize, particularly in, in the home city in front of, you know, a big audience and a big arena, which will feel like an NBA arena has been an NBA arena. Yeah, no, I mean, I, our guys are, are extremely focused. You know, I, I think if you look back and watch the, you know, the two games we had against Newcastle, especially the first leg up in Newcastle, um, you know, I think that's what's, you know, some of our best basketball we've played all season. Um, you know, and, and I think as a, you know, as a coach, you're always wanting to, you always want to be peaking and playing your best basketball, you know, at the end of the season, you know, I, I know it's a, an old coaching cliche, but you know, it's true. It's especially said, you know, in a, in a nine, 10 month season, 
you know, if you can be continually improving, you know, and, and again, you know, I was really proud of our group for, you know, winning the, the, the league championship, you know, especially when we were able to clinch, I think with a couple weeks left in the season. And just cause like I, like I told them it's that that's a body of work, you know, I think with all the, all the travel, all the games, the, all the injuries that we endured, you know, to be able to continue to, I thought their focus through our domestic campaign was, was outstanding, you know, and, and their, their approach to, to each game, you know, if you would have come to a practice and, you know, two different practices. And if you didn't know if we were preparing for Turk telecom or the Lester riders, you know, if, if you didn't know who the opponent was, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference with how that our, our team was preparing for those games. And, and that's a credit to, you know, our, our coaching staff, our, our medical team, and more more importantly, the players, you know, and so to get to this point in the season and, you know, it's, it's been, it's been interesting because now our, our primary and, and only, you know, sole focus is the BBL, um, you know, after we had lost to Badalona in the Euro Cup playoffs and uh, our practices have been really, really good, um, you know, and then I think, you know, you, the performance we had up at Newcastle you know, just the way we played on both sides of the ball, you know, I was really, really happy with. And so I think, yeah, now leading into, you know, this weekend, you know, we, we know we got a tough test. I know Cheshire is undermanned. You know, they're down, to, I think, six players. Um, there's a chance they might get, you know, Will Neighbor might be back this weekend. But, um, you know, when you watch the film, like, they play hard. Like, they get after it. They compete, you know. And we know just like every time we've, we've played a BBL game this year, you know, we're going to get, we always get everyone's best shot. You know, this is, they're going to come out and they've kind of got playing with like nothing to lose. Um, but again, you look at their roster and you look at, you know, Evans, and Larry Austin, and Jamel Anderson, and, you know, they, they've got, they've got some players. And, you know, so if we, if we, you know, don't play you up to our standard in the way that we're capable of playing, you know, it, you know, we can be on the, on the wrong side of it. But if we do, then yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're all excited about the potential of playing the O2. And, you know, I know it's easier said than done to, you know, not look ahead. But, you know, that, that's been our goal all season long is to, you know, play our best basketball in April and May and then to be, you know, standing at center court at the O2 Arena on May 14th, you know, holding, which would be our, our third trophy for this season. Um, and more importantly, I just – I want it for these guys. Like, I, I think, you know, you've probably heard it, you know, throughout the interview. But it, it's been it's been a fun season. It's a great group of guys to coach. Um, you know, and, and for more than anything, I just I want it for them because of, of how how well they've done this year, and just again their 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 professionalism, you know, their their approach to everything, and you know, just overall the success that they've had, you know, to be able to cap it off, um, you know, at the end of the season in here in London, and you know, in an environment like that, you know, would be the the perfect story ending, I think. Last couple of things. It's been a kind of storybook year for you for for another reason. Of course, your first year as a as a dad, as a parent, your wife Whitney had your your, your first daughter last last summer. And um, how's it been balancing the late night coaching and the nights of not sleeping? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been a challenge. I think too with you, um, yeah, taking taking this job as a as a first time Euro Cup head coach. You know, the same the same year that you have a newborn baby. Um, I definitely don't recommend that for any future <laughs> coaches li- listening to this. But um, no, listen, I, I there's no way this is possible without my wife. Um, you know, we've got you know an, an amazing partnership. She's been you know extremely supportive. You know, throughout my career, um, and then this year, it's just been fun to be able to to share the experience together. You know, being able to live in London. Um, 
you know, and living abroad together and being able to have a newborn daughter, um, you know, and, and raise her out here while going through, you know, the, the roller coaster of a season, you know, the, the ebbs and the flows and the wins, the losses. Um, but overall just, we're enjoying it. And yeah, there's no way, you know, I can do this without her, but, you know, and I and think, I think I shared this with you before. Like we, we are a little bit fortunate. She, once she got through the first kind of three or four months of the, you know, waking up every couple hours, like most newborns do, um, she's been a pretty good sleeper through the night, which is, which has been pretty helpful for dad when it comes to, you know, getting ready for games. Biggest challenge, changing nappies or driving on the left-hand side of the road? Yeah, so you know what? I actually, I, I don't have a car and I refuse <laughs> to get a car out here. So I, I stick I stick to the train system here in London for now. So That's good going. That's very impressive. Environmentally friendly. That's what, you know, good green impact. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you're also scared to get in a car accident. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> We're nice drivers here. I've been to America. That's scary. Um, I mean, last one. I mean, we are approaching the end of the season. I mean, we know there's big plans ahead for Lions. You know, talk of entering the EuroLeague in the years to come. Are you back next year? Where are you at? Me personally, is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 I mean, as long as they'll have me back, I plan on being here. Oh. There you go. There's a, and next year, there's one less trophy to aim for. So, you know, you can get the treble and win everything next year. It becomes so much easier. There you go. Simple. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> then we'll, we'll shoot for that then. Ron, it's been a terrific first year. Um, I'm sure there's a Coach of the Year award coming in the next week or so. That, that, I'd stick some cash in that. But um, continued success. It's been, I'm sure it's, um, I'm sure it's been fun, and I'm sure it's just the start for you. Uh, I really appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed doing this. Pleasure, and uh, good luck in the playoffs. I'm sure we'll see you at the O2. Sorry, Cheshire. Um, that's it for this episode of the MVP cast. Don't forget, if you want to get insights onto the NBA playoffs and the betting markets, head to Smarkets and search for NBA, and you can find my regular column on the NBA playoffs. If you want to get all the previous episodes of this podcast, head to your podcast provider or go to mvp247.com. If you want to reach out to me, you can get me on Twitter, as ever, at Mark Ripple, and I would love to hear from you. Another episode of the podcast coming very soon, but for now, thank you so much for your company, and it's goodbye.